the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. Jesus said that life does not consist in the things a man possesses. How many times do we need to come back to that verse? We need to repeat it again and again to ourselves. Life isn't rung up on a cash register. Life consists in the one who possesses you. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness are off. That's where life is found in a relationship with God. Remember that credit card commercial that presented a series of purchases with their dollar amount. The commercial then switches gears to highlight something in life that money can't buy, experiences and joys that are priceless. Well, today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy draws a similar parallel in his study of Ecclesiastes. It's good to enjoy the material gifts God provides, but at the end of the day, money will never offer genuine satisfaction. With a message titled, Your Money or Your Life, here is Philip DeCourcy. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. I want to preach on the subject, your money or your life. Given the danger and the seductive nature of money and what it presents in terms of peril to our souls, we need to turn to this passage. Because here Solomon talks about the trap of making the acquisition of wealth our life's goal. That there's a disappointing nature to materialism. And he knows what he's talking about, right? Here's a man who in his lifetime had a superabundance of material things. According to the Bible, silver was as common as stones under Solomon's administration. But he had learned the hard way that money does not equate to more life. In fact, the more you have of it, Solomon will argue, often the less it seems to benefit you. Money doesn't deliver as much as it promises. It doesn't equate to more happiness, more security, more contentment. In fact, when you get what you want, oftentimes you won't want what you get. And so Solomon tackles this issue here in this passage, and he's driving towards a point, a point that's made in verse 20. This is a chiasm in the Hebrew structure. We tend to think in lines. We think linearly in a straight line, a chain of thought that doesn't meander. But a chiasm is an argument that kind of can be structured like the steps on a pyramid. On one side, Solomon argues towards something, and the other side, he argues from something. There's a central point as Solomon talks about the fleeting and frustrating nature of money. And his point is this, hey, riches and wealth come and go. 
And they come from the hand of God, but sometimes God gives and sometimes God takes away. You can't count on financial security across your lifetime. So whatever God gives, take it and hold it in an open hand. And above all, remember that it came from his hand to your hand. So in the gifts, don't forget the giver. All right, enjoy what you have at a given moment. It may not be there the next, but above all, enjoy the God who abides forever and who blesses us with all spiritual and material blessings. Now, as we come into this passage, I'm going to kind of gather my thoughts around two thoughts. Solomon explodes some myths, and Solomon explores some truths. That's the two headings we're going to put everything under. Solomon explodes some myths, and we find him exploding these myths on the second half of chapter 5. Solomon sets out the dynamite out of our thinking some deeply ingrained myths about the benefits of amassing material wealth. The first myth that Solomon dynamites and explodes is wealth brings satisfaction. Uh-uh, not true. And then wealth brings sufficiency. Uh-uh, not true. Look at verse 10. Solomon says this, He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. He who loves abundance will increase. This also is vanity. The rich are just as poor as the poor in the sense that they're always wanting something. There's always something they don't have. There's always something to be grasped for. That's the point that Solomon's making here. No matter how much a person accumulates, there's always the opportunity to acquire more and why settle for less. There is a hollow center to material things. Never forget that. We are materialists as Christians. We're not Gnostics. We don't deny the physical. We don't think it's all evil. There are things to enjoy. Solomon will talk about that. God wants us to enjoy what we can eat and what we can drink. God expects us to stand in awe at a Southern California sunset. That's good. But that's not all that life's about, is it? No. And if you put all your eggs into that basket, you're going to be disappointed with what hatches. We're reminded here that there's a hollow center to material things when you squeeze them for real deep soul satisfaction. That alone is found in God and the things of eternity. Even though money can offer temporary pleasure, it cannot satisfy the deepest human longing. Here's what I said to myself. I, I, I love potato chips. It's kind of my besetting sin, especially salt and vinegar. I love salt and vinegar potato chips. And I get disappointed when I get one of those bags. In fact, I look for them. They're kind of full and puffed. You know, I go through all the racks until I find that bag that's puffed. And it sounds like and it feels like it's got something in it. And then you open it. And you know, you find maybe a half a dozen potato chips at the bottom of it. In fact, these potato chip bags now, when you open them, the rush of air is so violent that your hair blows back, you know? <laughs> and then you open it and you look inside and you go, wow, how disappointing is that? And you have to buy yourself another bag just to get what you were wanting from the one bag. Something needs to run for Congress and sort those potato chip companies out because it's a ripoff. But I think it's an analogy of material things. You look inside and there's not as much as you thought would be there. 
And God says, I told you. Didn't I tell you about the false advertising of the world? That it's all about now and the things that you can grasp on your way through. Come on, read Solomon. He's been there, done that. He yawns. It's all boring unless God's a part of it. Unless grace is at the center of it. Quickly, there's a second myth. Wealth brings satisfaction. That's myth one, and he explodes that. The second myth is wealth brings sufficiency. Verse 11, when goods increase, wow, you go, that's where you want to be, all right? You want to be on the upswing. It's a nice place to be in life, isn't it? When you kind of have got what you think you need, and your riches are increasing, your bank balance is pretty healthy, your portfolio is looking pretty positive, your job security, pretty good. You kind of fall into the trap of Luke 12, you know, eat and drink, be merry. It's all good. And someone says, hold on a minute. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. You're not as sufficient and self-sustaining as you think. Solomon torpedoes the idea that money subtracts your problems and divides your troubles. Not so. What it actually does is multiply your responsibilities and those to which you are obligated towards. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. What's Solomon's point? Solomon's point is this. Money is not the magic cure-all that we think it is and that the society presents it to be. In fact, the more you have, the more people will show up to enjoy a piece of your pie. That was true in Solomon's day. In fact, if you go to 1 Kings 4, verse 22 to 28, we don't have time to turn there, but you're given, you know, a window into one of Solomon's garden parties. And the amount of food and drink he needed to have to supply all the hangers-on around the court kind of amazing. It's true in Solomon's day. Possessions required more servants to care for them, and perhaps the social obligation to provide for your extended family was extended. And what's true then hasn't changed much as we come into our day. The rich and the famous find people leeching onto them for selfish motives. Isn't that true? If I go to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 20, you'll find an interesting verse. Proverbs 14 and verse 20. The poor man is hated even by his own neighbor, but the rich has many friends. Why? Because they're rich for the most part. Some rich people are very interesting and have many friends. Most rich people have many friends because they're rich. And somebody would like to stick their hand in their pocket. You get a similar thought in Proverbs 19, verses 4 through 6. Wealth makes many friends, but the poor is separated from his friend. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies will not escape. Many entreat the favor of the nobility, and every man is a friend, the one who gives gifts. That's just the way it works. There's no way to escape that. When people become rich, they'll need a maid to clean their house, a gardener to trim their lawn, a nanny to watch their kids, a chauffeur to drive their car, an accountant to keep their book, a banker to invest their money, a bodyguard to protect them and their family from all kinds of villainous people. And in addition, the taxman will acquire his cut of the pie. In fact, when it comes to the issue of taxes, I enjoyed 
what a friend sent me a while ago looking at the different ways in which to govern people and the implications in terms of what the government gets and what the government takes. Someone said there's socialism. In socialism, you have two cows. You keep one and give one to your neighbor. In communism, you have two cows. The government takes them both and provides you with milk. In fascism, you have two cows. The government takes them and sells you the milk. Bureaucracy. You have two cows, the government takes them both, shoots one, milks the other, pays you for the milk, and then pours it down the drain. Capitalism, you have two cows, you sell one and buy a bull. Democracy, you have two cows, the government taxes you to the point that you must sell them both in order to pay the taxes to support a man in a foreign country who has only one cow, which was a gift from your government. Somebody's going to show up, the tax man or whatever, at the door of the rich and want the slice of the cake. Now, you would think, wouldn't you? Ironically, people think that the more money you have, the less dependent you are on people. The freer you'll be, the more unencumbered. But the opposite is actually true. The rich quickly find themselves in shark-infested waters where a feeding frenzy is going on over their money and their assets. They become the target for the scammer, the sponger. Their wealth actually becomes a burden and becomes a liability. Solomon explodes two myths that are very popular, aren't they, in our culture, as in the ancient culture. Boy, if I had more, I'd be more satisfied and I'd be more sufficient. Not true. He who loves silver will not be satisfied by silver. And when wealth increases, so do those who consume it. Which reminds us as we close that in all of this, it just goes to prove that we have forgotten what Jesus told us in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Man's life does not consist in the things that he possesses. How many times do we need to come back to that verse? We need to tattoo it onto our conscience. We need to sew it into the folds of our soul. We need to repeat it again and again to ourselves. That a man's life and the quality of his life and the depth of his life and the significance of his life is not determined by the car he drives, the clothes he wears, the restaurants he eats in, the house he lives in, the vacations he goes on. No, life isn't found there. Life isn't rung up on a cash register like that. Life doesn't consist in the things that you possess. Life consists in the one who possesses you, the one to whom belongs all possessions. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness are off. That's where life is found, in a relationship with God. There are things that money cannot buy if we're to truly live. Hope, a good conscience, faith, eternal security, forgiveness of sins, peace with God and the peace of God, the name, but a few. Those are the things that money can't buy. In fact, Tertullian, the church father said this, and I like what he said in AD 200, nothing that is God's is obtainable by money. Isaiah 55 tells us to come and buy those things that money cannot buy. They're for free. They're ours if we'll take them by the hand of faith. 
Jesus said that life does not consist in the things a man possesses, and Jesus' life proves it. Jesus died with the clothes on his back, basically. And then they were stripped from him. He said, in his lifetime, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests. I have nowhere to lay my head. Our Lord Jesus lived on the other side of the tracks in an know-nothing town called Nazareth. He was the son of a blue-collar carpenter. There was no abundance in the home of Mary and Joseph. Jesus would have lived on hand-me-down clothes. You're going to tell me Jesus' life was a poor life? Jesus' life stands head and shoulders above every other life in terms of depth, significance, and eternal impact. His life was rich even though he was poor. And his life enriched other lives because though he was rich, yet he was made poor that we might be enriched through his life, his death, and his resurrection. Listen, according to Paul in Philippians chapter 3, Life is about amassing Christ, gaining Christ, having more of Christ, coming to faith in Him, and then growing in faith in Him, growing in likeness to Him. Here's where I finish. You see, biblically speaking, it's not what you have that determines your worth in this world. It's whose you are. That's what determines your worth. In fact, I came across a verse. I'd close my Bible, but I'm going to open it just to one verse. In Psalm 135 and verse 4, I love this, and it makes my point. Psalm 135 and verse 4. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel for his special treasure. That's what counts. Life doesn't consist in what you possess. Life consists in who possesses you. And if you know God, then you know the one who possesses it all. And he gives it as he wills in the way he wants. And we take it thankfully and humbly. And we live to his glory. Ron Mel, in his book, Meeting God at the Dead Ends of Life, tells the story of a man by the name of Bob. He was a connoisseur of garage seals, backyard seals. It was towards the end of a particular day where he had gone around a number of these in Downey, California. And as he looked at particular wares outside a home, his eye was drawn to a motorbike that was broken down and rusted in the corner of the garage. And he, he talked to the owner to try and tempt him to sell it. Initially, the man wouldn't do it. He says, look, there's, there's no point buying this bike. It was a Harley Davidson. He says, the engine's frozen. He says, you know, it's, it's, it's really a bucket of rust. It'll take more to fix this thing than go and buy yourself a new Harley. But Bob persisted. He talked the man into selling it. He got it for $35. And in a couple of days, he got around to calling Harley Davidson. He gave them the serial number, the registration number, and he asked about parts. It was an older machine. He said, are those parts available? I want you to kind of work out for me what it's going to cost me to restore this thing. As the clerk engaged them in conversation, all of a sudden the clerk went rather quiet. And he said, you know what, Bob? He says, I'll need to call you back. Somewhat strange and an abrupt ending to the conversation. Two days later, Bob gets a phone call from a high-ranking manager at Harley-Davidson saying, Bob, we need you to do something. He says, I want you to go to that bike. I want you to remove the seat, remove the saddle. He says, and take a look under it and tell me if there's anything written. 
Bob goes and does that, and he comes back to the receiver, picks it up. He said, yeah, he says, there's two words, the king. The guy goes kind of quiet for a moment. He says, tell you what, Bob, he says, we'd like to offer you $300,000 for that bike. Didn't tell him anything. Just said, we'd like to offer you $300,000. He was gobsmacked. He was kind of, what? He says, you know, I need to think about this. He didn't really know what was going on. Put the phone down. A day after that, he gets a call from Jay Leno the talk show host. He says, Bob, I'd like to offer you $500,000 for your bike. You see, the penny, I'm sure, has dropped with you as it ultimately did drop with Bob. The king owned that bike. The king as in the king of rock and roll himself. Elvis owned that bike. It wasn't much to look at. Its value was taken from who owned it, who had made it their possession. And I would suggest to you that's where true worth is found. It's found being possessed and owned by God. It's found by having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the one who was rich, yet for our sake became poor, that we through his humiliation and death and poverty on the cross, his suffering for our sin, we through that poverty can be made rich. We can find hope, eternal security, forgiveness of sins, and eternal significance through faith in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this passage of Scripture that is as up-to-date as the headlines in the Los Angeles Times this morning. Lord, we are surrounded by opulence and affluence, and Lord, we thank you for the benefits of that. Thank you for the joy of enjoying the creation around us. Lord, there are benefits, but help us not to exceed what those benefits are. Help us not to deify things. Help us not to look for what you alone can give us in things. Lord, help us indeed to remember the giver behind all these gifts. Help us to remember that the greatest gift of all is eternal life through Jesus Christ. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through faith in our Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, to live for those things that will echo out into eternity. Help us to be good stewards of our gifts. Help us to hold them with an open hand. Help us to enjoy them in the moment that we have them, but also be ready for you to remove them or life to steal them at any point because we trust not in uncertain riches, but we trust in the one sure, true, and living God. And these things we ask and pray in his name. Amen. We're learning to rely on Jesus for all our needs. This is Know the Truth, and you're listening to Philip DeCourcy in a message called Your Money or Your Life. This subject is so important that Philip is presenting five messages on money. Hear all five when you listen online at ktt.org. Or order the messages on CD. And don't forget, they're also available on the KTT app and podcast. At Know the Truth, we make these Bible study messages available on radio and the web because we know that faith comes from hearing God's Word. And Philip DeCourcy takes seriously the job of sharing God's Word, and we know you do too. So don't let another day go by. Call in a one-time donation today at 888-644-8811 or become one of our Truth Ambassadors. It's easy to sign up online at ktt.org. When you send an automated donation, you can be assured that your monthly donation is helping us to touch lives. Lives like Justin, who recently wrote to say, 
I love Philip's teaching. In this crazy world, he gives hope and helps equip me to stand firm in God's Word. He reminds me of the wonderful riches I have as a believer in Jesus Christ. It's exciting to hear from Justin and the many others who listen to and support Know the Truth. And when you give $20 or more today, we'll send you a booklet titled The Resurrection and You. Well-known authors Sean and Josh McDowell lay out the answers to common questions about the resurrection, giving you rock-solid evidence for Easter. Ask for the booklet, The Resurrection and You, when you give a generous gift of $20 or more. Donate online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. And with Easter coming up, you'll want to ask for this resource today, but it's one that you'll want to keep handy all year long. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, inviting you back tomorrow for another lesson about faith and money. That's Tuesday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Mike Lindell, and as you know, my passion is to help each and every one of you get the best sleep of your life. That's why I created my new Giza Dreams bed sheets. I started by using the world's best cotton called Giza. It's only grown in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. My Giza sheets also include full 21-inch wide pillowcases that will fit over any pillow and deep pocket sheets that will fit over any mattress. The first night you sleep on my sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-516-3636 to get your very own MyPillow Giza Dream Sheets. Giza Dream Sheets are available in a variety of colors. Use promo code WAVA and Mike will give you 30% off plus free shipping. That's right, 30% off and free shipping with promo code WAVA. What are your kids doing? Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.